In this episode of Green Mountain Disability Stories, University of Vermont faculty member and academics coordinator Winnie Luby interviews Vermont artist Leah Schultz. Leah's art directly references her experiences of multiple disabilities, as well as addressing and incorporating elements of who she was before she became disabled. Leah's painting, Cyclical Choices, is part of an exhibit of work by Vermont artists with disabilities called Cycles. The exhibit is being produced by Inclusive Arts Vermont and is currently being shown at the University of Vermont Davis Center in Burlington, Vermont. The exhibit will travel around the state before returning to the University of Vermont campus for an extended residency with the UVM Center on Disability and Community Inclusion. Let's listen. Okay, so welcome to Green Mountain Disability Stories. I'm Winnie Luby. And I am a lecturer and program coordinator for the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at UVM. Um, and today we're here with Leah Schultz, who's a Vermont artist. Um, her work is being included in a recent exhibit of art by Vermont artists with disabilities through Inclusive Arts Vermont. Uh, Leah, could you introduce yourself, please, and tell us who you are and what you do? Great. Thank you for having me. I have been listening to the podcast and um, you guys have had some great guests. So I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Uh, so yes, my name is Leah Schultz and I am a uh, watercolor, lino cut and acrylic um, artist. Um, and I live in Wilson, Vermont with my husband and my cat Norman. Um, I am actually a UVM grad. I uh, got my MBA from UVM in 2015. And um, my background is in consulting. And um, I also used to work for the Division of Aging and Independent Living. Um, so I have had a career working in the field of um, disability as well. Um, so I like to share my diagnoses um, because you really never know when someone is searching for a diagnosis and they hear diagnosis, especially a rare condition. Um, so I, I like to share that information because you really never know <laughs> when someone is looking for that. Um, so I have um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, mast cell activation syndrome, um, hyperadrenergic POTS, and uh, small fiber neuropathy and erythromal erythromalgia. It's a tricky one. Um, and then I am currently studying to be a certified personal trainer and Reiki practitioner, um, as well as wellness coach and certified nutrition counselor. Um, so that work I hope to do with disab disabled people to help them regain their strength and um, as I have, uh, been doing for the last mm -hmm. few years. So excited about that work as well. Yeah. It sounds great that, um, I love, uh, how your career path has kind of gone along with your personal <laughs> path. So you've made some, some, um, you'd call it, um, le lemonade out of lemons, your experiences and then you're you know generously giving of yourself to other folks I think that's incredible um so I have some questions here and we can kind of follow them and kind of just be organic about it it's up to you um so I'm curious how 
your disability and your art kind of interact? How does that, how, what's that influence looking for? Yeah, I wouldn't be an artist if I wasn't disabled. Um, I, I, my, my uh, bachelor's is in biology and peace and justice studies, and I have my MBA in sustainable entrepreneurship. Um, so I always sort of used that side of my brain and thought that art was not something that I could do or um, that I was good at or uh, had the time to be doing something so enjoyable, which is funny to say now. Um, so when I became too sick to work five years ago, I suddenly couldn't really use that other side of my brain. And art became my lifeline. Um, it was something that I could actually do um, to pass the days. And um, in those early days of getting sick, um, it was really what saved me um, mentally um, and brought new life and new perspective into my life. Um, so I uh, very much feel like it's tied to um, my dis disability um, in in a lot of ways. And then I learned that art is a lifeline to community um, mm -hmm. because I was suddenly no longer on campus or in the work environment and my ability to share my art was online was really my only connection to other people in a lot of ways. Um, and then I also found that art is a radical act because it says I'm still here. I still exist and I may not exist in person in these spaces, but here me sharing these things is is a connection that um, says I'm here. Um, and when you tie your feelings, your expression, your experience of disability in your art, that becomes even more of a political act because it makes people look and see and remind them that um, disabled people exist. Wow. That's yeah. yeah. I like how you said it's a, a radical act. I definitely agree with that. Um, in prior UVM, um, I did a lot of art in school and all of that. And that was kind of what my career path was going to be. <laughs> and I really got into education. Um, but I have noticed, uh, definitely, I did a little research actually as a doc student around artists and disability and the role that are played in their lives, right? And they all mentioned the community piece. They all mentioned like the, the personal kind of self-care piece. Um, so I, I think that's fantastic. Um, the way you put that's awesome. Um, let's see. So I'm curious um, how... Oh, so can you tell us a little bit about your piece that's going to be in the show um, with Inclusive Arts? The theme is cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, someone sent me the the prompt and said, you know, I think you should you should consider this um, opportunity. 
and I read it and pretty much immediately started sketching. Um, I think the idea of cycles is something that I have been really in the, in the depths of over the last few years. Um, and in particular, the pain cycle. Um, I was fortunate to work with a provider that helped me understand um, sort of the concept of a wave. So my painting is of a diving board sort of in the sky. Um, and this little figure dives off the diving board and sort of free falls and then tries to come together and get into a, a dive position and then dives into an ocean. Um, and the ocean, they split off in three different directions. One is straight down to the bottom and they sink into sort of a meditative pose. Um, the one direction they go and they ride that wave and they come up to the surface and they look around and then they turn and they swim and try and ride that wave. And then the third is they turn and they climb and they climb back up the ladder and start ready to um, get back into that diving position. And so my piece is called Cyclical Choices and is really about that diagram that I have drawn over and over over the last few years of saying, okay, I've got these symptoms. I feel like I'm in free fall. <laughs> um, I have these feelings about it. I have these tools and how can I get into that position of addressing those pains? And then I work through some of those and then more things come up and how do I address those? And sometimes you sink to the bottom. <laughs> You've got to sort of live there for a little while. And sometimes you can resurface and ride it out and get out of that pain cycle. And sometimes you just have to go back up and climb the ladder and do it all over again the next day. So um, cyclical choices is something that we all do every day, whether it's emotions or pain or just um, the choices that we make. Um, so I felt like it was very deeply personal to me, but also very relatable that life is full of cyclical choices and what we do with them. Um, but what I hope people can take from it is knowing that whether you're sinking to the bottom or going right back through that cycle again, um, that that is okay. And that there are tools that can help you through that cycle and maybe out and into just another series of cycles. Um, it really helped me to make it through some really hard things in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think, um, I got advice to, you know, just keep swimming. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love swimming. So I have definitely, uh, been using that motto <laughs> for, for a long time and whether the, the seas are calm or, <laughs> or not, um, to just keep swimming is definitely a, a good motto to have. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that may or may not sound resonate with you. Another one I I've heard is, um, imagine an ocean, the ocean on top, there's a storm, it's rough, but if you go down 
far enough, like kind of inside, it's calm, mm-hmm. right? You can always yeah. find some calm within all the chaos. So yeah, exactly. And that's why the the person at the bottom, is, you know, isn't drowning. They're calm. They're in a meditative sort of Zen place um, because there's perspective there too. And there's calm and, um, you know, actually in the disabled community, um, there's the idea of uh, crip time and regaining that name. And um, I think of crip time as that space at the bottom where you're just in it where you're you know recovering from something and time and space (laughs) exist in a different way and you're at the bottom of the pool or the ocean and sort of watching everything happen outside of you but what's happening inside of you is just totally different (laughs) yeah Yeah. is that um i've heard of that is it petra clippers who talks about that crib time oh i don't know the origin of it. I know that um, someone was doing a master's thesis on it and uh, interviewed me on my experience of crypt time, but she probably had that in her paper, but I, <laughs> I just know it from just sort of like the experience of making friends online and uh, using that that term and knowing that it's reclaimed from the di- in the disab- disabled community. Um, because that that term definitely has some negative connotations, but um, yeah, that's good to know. I should read about the about that. Yeah, yeah. She's um, uh, Petra Clippers. She is. I can't remember her nationality. I think it's British or Australian. Um, she's also a poet and kind of a movement artist, and does these kind of workshops with people. And um, one of her readings that I assigned in one of my classes is actually called Crip Time. <laughs> and she talks about how um, she gives some description of it in her workshops, right? Where it's asking people to slow down. Like what? You don't have to go fast. Why are you going fast? Like our culture wants you to turn and to move and to be productive. I hate that word, be productive, um, you know, and, and be fast at it. Right. Whereas, um, you know, if your body can't do that, right. Or if it's hard for your body to do that, you have to give yourself permission to take the time that you need. Right. Yeah. And then you can make the choices, I think is how that connects. Absolutely. Yeah. I learned that from, um, the author, Catherine May who talks about that in her book, wintering. I, I, so appreciated the idea of making a life that works for you instead of against you. And I think that that is so much of the last few years for me is carving that out and art being a large part of that. That's very empowering, right? Like to just mm-hmm. control of what, what you want and how you need things to be right in the long term. Oh, I was curious about this. Um, Inclusive Arts Vermont has put a lot of effort into the accessibility for the exhibition itself, um, including providing verbal descriptions for each piece of art. Um, So when you wrote a description of your painting, what was it like for you to think about how to describe your art to an audience in in this way? Yeah, I'm glad I had the practice because I just had to describe it here. Uh, So that was helpful. I appreciated that they offered a workshop um, sort of office hours to try and work that out. So I attended that and it was great to hear a 
about how other people experience art um, and the use of the verbal descriptions in that way. Um, and it was helpful too, because I've been trying to make a, a real effort to use image descriptions on social media with my art. Um, so to get a perspective of the do's and don'ts of that. Um, and there's some great resources out there for that. Um, and I think it's just a really simple way that, um, you know, you can show inclusivity and um, be an ally. And um, doing that on social media is just a, a really quick way and simple way to uh, show support for different populations. So I was appreciative of it for this practice, but also um, applying it to my work. So as we're recording this, the Cycles exhibit is just about to open as a residency on the University of Vermont campus. What do you hope the university community gets out of the exhibit and your art in particular? Hmm. Uh, I think a couple of things. Um, I think the idea of being back on campus and in this way of, is is important to me because uh, I haven't been able to participate in alumni events or things like that in the last few years. Um, so having a presence on campus in that way is important to me. Um, and maybe if someone, you know, reads my bio and relates to my painting, I think um, is, is something that I think, I hope we'll stay with someone to know that disability can happen to anyone at any time and being, um, hmm, I, yeah, just how we exist in places. I think it matters and how we accommodate and support people um, in, and providing opportunities to connect in different ways. I really appreciate that UVM is hosting this um, exhibit and giving, giving people an opportunity to participate in UVM uh, culture and, and engage with students in a way um, is really, really great. Um, and then I also hope that if some student is struggling with their health as I did when I was a college student, um, that they can see themselves in, in the art, in the entire exhibit, um, and see how other people have made their access needs work and how other people have made, um, accommodations and have had successful careers and, um, understand that there's a future for for them out there um and um yeah so i'm i'm excited to see how students engage with the exhibit yeah i think um, we have a new uh student uh group on campus disabled student union um i think they started maybe last year the year before um i think Having um, disability, the disability experience showcased in this way, in such a prominent way, is just so important, um, is especially for, you know, your modeling. It feels like you're modeling how to, um, how to be, right? How to find um, what works for you, that here's your life this way for a while, but then this big thing changes and our broader culture tells you that, ugh, that must be awful. You, like that you've, the broader culture um, 
in a lot of ways um, gives you the message that somehow you're not a person anymore, right? <laughs> you're yeah. just kind of something to feel sorry for. Um, yeah. And it's great to see, um, you know, all the artists here are going to be modeling. How do you take that thing um, that anybody could, you know, join the club at any point, right? <laughs> How do you take that thing and then move on and even like find or re rediscover something that um, is really valuable uh, to you in the in the long run, right? Like yeah. some some hidden talent, some hidden um, acuity that you have. Um, looking at it as kind of, you know, it's a journey. It's not maybe a very easy journey, <laughs> but it is one, and. Um, that you have the power to make choices and find people who can be mentors to you in some kind of way, even if it's just an art show. Um, so I think it's really powerful that it's here. I think there was a similar one maybe five years ago, but it was like at the Flynn, the little teeny Flynn uh, exhibition space over there. And so when I saw it, it was coming to UVM, I was like, oh, so cool. Yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. It's, um, yeah, the, the messages that we are given about what disability means, um, and what it really can exist as are, are so different. And yes, there are definitely moments <laughs> that are, are definitely not easy. Um, but it really, for me has given me a chance to evaluate what's really important to me and what, how I can pursue that. Yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I think in, in this last few years with the pandemic, a lot of folks are kind of had time to think about mm -hmm. job that I really want to be doing, or am I getting what I need out of my environment? What about my relationships? Have I really cultivated these, you know? Um, so yeah, that's great. Um, so I had one last question. Um, what advice do you have for other artists um, who are maybe at an earlier stage of their career? Uh, I really am still in the very early phases of this. Um, this is my first exhibit and I I don't have like a, a site up or anything for um anyone to purchase. So I'm, I'm really just starting out in the last few months of, uh, making this official. I've just <laughs> been practicing a lot <laughs> until then. Um, so for people that are in an earlier stage than I am, I would just say, remember what you loved to do as a kid. I remember an art class, um, where we did lino cutting and I just remember loving it. And so that was the first thing that I picked up and, um, I just find so much peace and enjoyment in it. And it's scary to share on social media, but the feedback that I've had is just people being impressed that I did it, like that I picked it up and I did it and I shared it. And there's so many people that have said, I wish I could do that. And I think that that's something that I used to think for sure. Um, but if you have that desire, just do it. Um, and you really, really never know where it will take you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, um, the weirder, the 
the sillier, the better. Um, and that's, that's really what people respond to the most. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I agree. I, I had a, a short little story, not about me, but, but um, uh, years and years ago, um, I was going through a health thing of my own and I had this idea to work on puppets. I remembered loving the Muppet show and loving Sesame street, loving marionettes. And I know like those things freak people out a lot, but yeah. I kind of like the green factor of marionettes. And so I started making them and, and someone told me that like, you know, it's important to find play as an adult, isn't it? So important. Yeah. Joy in something that's just, it feels like, you know, you don't really care how it comes out. You're just doing it for your own satisfaction. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Cause I think so much of disability and chronic health things is just about survival at the beginning and you really can't play in survival. So play becomes so important um, because it it's really an indication like you, that you're doing okay. Um, and yeah, I love that. The puppets is great. That sounds really fun. I, I, I think I'm going to start puppets. <laughs> Sounds fun. So it was so great to get to talk to you, Leah. I appreciate that you wanted to participate and answer all these questions and just really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. It's it's really great. And I have a new favorite podcast to listen to. So it's it's been <laughs> really fun to be uh, be involved. Thank you. Green Mountain Disability Stories is a monthly show featuring stories told by Vermonters with disabilities about their experiences, opinions, and the systems that support and thwart them. You can listen to this episode on your favorite podcasting service, or you can watch the episodes on YouTube, or you can read the transcripts. A full transcript of each episode is available at go.uvm.edu slash green dash mountain dash disability dash stories a huge thank you to leah schultz and winnie luby for this episode the music for our podcast is waves are beautiful only when they break by soul june licensed under creative commons 3.0 Green Mountain Disability Stories is produced by the University of Vermont Center on Disability and Community Inclusion in the College of Education and Social Services at the University of Vermont. Thanks for listening.